Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London. I'm Tom Braithwaite. Carlos Ghosn, one of the most powerful figures in the auto industry, was arrested this week after an internal investigation at Nissan that uncovered what the Japanese automaker called numerous significant acts of misconduct, including misleading investors about the size of his salary. I spoke to Kana Inagaki, Peter Campbell and Vanessa Holder about what this means for Mr Ghosn and the three-way alliance he built between Nissan, Renault and Mitsubishi. Peter, can you give us an insight into Carlos Ghosn, how he was regarded in the industry and, since this is an issue of such importance, how well paid he was? Well, Carlos Ghosn was an absolute giant of the car industry. He'd come into both Renault and Nissan when they were underperforming. He'd overseen the alliance and grown them together to be one of the largest car manufacturers in the world. They're only just behind VW in terms of the number of vehicles they sell every year. He'd also made a number of very large industry bets which had paid off. They've grown and developed new vehicle segments by launching vehicles no one had ever done before. They created what's called the crossover segment with mini SUVs. They were also the first serious manufacturer to push into electric vehicles and are still one of the biggest electric vehicle sellers in the world. So across the industry, he's, he's enormously highly regarded, even by people and companies that compete with Renault and Nissan across the globe. Carlos Ghosn's pay was always a very sensitive issue, and he was paid extremely well. He drew salaries as both CEO of Renault and CEO of Nissan. In 2016, he earned just over 16 and a half million euros across the two companies. And now he also draws a salary as the chairman of Mitsubishi as well. Now, this is both in companies which are based in countries which have very sensitive tendencies to think around high pay. You know, in France, high pay is a very sensitive topic. And in Japan, corporate CEOs very rarely earn sums that are seen as being given to Mr. Ghosn. Kana, how did the accusations against Mr. Ghosn surface? So Nissan has said it launched an internal investigation into Mr. Ghosn after it received a report from a whistleblower earlier this year. After several months of investigation, it found that Mr. Ghosn had misled investors by understating the amount of his pay and also that he had used company assets for personal uses. It seems that Tokyo prosecutors are now investigating real estate that had been purchased by Nissan from Mr. Ghosn, including residences in Lebanon and Brazil, according to the latest reports in the Japanese media. And how is it possible that the company was unaware of how much the CEO was paid, as they claim? So that is really a big question that's hanging over this whole entire scandal. Hiroto Saikawa, the chief executive of Nissan, blamed lapses in corporate governance and also the concentration of power in Mr. Ghosn as one of the you know, factors why the company did not realize about this problem. But investors and analysts are already asking whether it really is possible for a company as big and global as Nissan not to be aware of how much the CEO is paid. This is really a question that the company needs to address in the coming weeks. Kana, we've been unable to reach Mr. Ghosn. He is in custody, and so we should say we have not heard his response to these allegations. But if he is charged and ultimately found guilty, what are the penalties? If Mr. Ghosn is found guilty of falsifying financial statements, then he could face a penalty of up to 10 years in prison a fine of up to $89,000 or both. Vanessa, 
How will this extraordinary incident affect the alliance between Nissan, Renault and Mitsubishi? Nissan's chief executive insisted the partnership between the three businesses would not be affected. But a lot of investors think it will put the alliance under a lot more strain. As Peter said, Mr Ghosn was this huge figure. For nearly two decades, he was the glue that held this alliance together. He forged the structure, his charisma, all that globe-trotting, all helped keep it together. However, there have been questions about the alliance for a long time. Nissan's current chief executive vocally opposes the idea of a merger and succession planning, what happens after Mr Ghosn's been an issue for a time as well. Even so, most industry analysts think the pressures in the car industry are so great that the alliance is likely to hold together. So there's opposition to a merger, continuation perhaps the most likely. Why has it been seen as a success? Well, the tie-up has enabled cost savings and, as Peter said, big progress in developing electric vehicles. And it's allowed the companies to increase their global footprint and get economies of scale. But again, there have been tensions. You know, it's not perfect. The alliance is lopsided and the big cultural differences. And so that's why there's been speculation about its future for a time. But again, the common view is that um, the need for investment in the car industry is so great that um, that deepens the case for collaboration of this sort. And also being enormous and having global heft and reach is a huge advantage in the industry, particularly at the moment where many of the key markets are under pressure. Sales are falling in the US, uh, Europe is looking quite soft, and, and sales in China, which has been a profit driver for the whole industry, uh, are coming down. And so the fact that you know Renault, which is strong in Europe and emerging markets, and Nissan, which is strong in Asia and the US, are able to kind of balance against each other has certainly given the company a lot of help in the way it can weather the very cyclical industry and also with the investments it needs to make. You know, Ghosn, when he talked about the Alliance's midterm plan, which runs to 2022, he said the companies would not be able to invest in all of the technologies they need to, be it electric, driverless, looking at new business models, unless they worked together and they were as large as they were. If Renault and Nissan were to separate, they'd find life as small five million a year car companies to be really quite difficult. Is there another figurehead who can hold this all together or will it continue without the sort of force of personality that Mr Ghosn embodied? It's incredibly difficult to see someone stepping into that role in the way that Ghosn has. His travel schedule is relentless and brutal, even by nomadic auto-executive standards. But he also has this sort of cultural dexterity that allows him to work in a very Japanese organisation and a very French organisation and all of their global operations at the same time. And the way that he's historically run the alliance has never been to foster a strong deputy. If you look at any of the senior executives within Renault or Nissan, none of them are in a position where they could take over directly from Mr. Ghosn in the central global role. Anyone who was ever within the business and and showed a degree of promise in that, uh, they've all left and they now run other car companies. Kana, Mr. Ghosn was portrayed in Japan as a kind of superhero for rescuing Nissan. How is the media handling his fall from grace? I think there has been genuine shock, both inside Japan and the media, about this abrupt downfall of really one of the most successful foreign executives in Japan. Mr. Ghosn has enjoyed a rock star status in Japan as the savior of Nissan, you know, when the company was facing bankruptcy fears in the late 1990s. 
But I think people are actually looking at this incident and taking it as an opportunity to actually reassess Mr. Gohn's legacy and what kind of value that Mr. Gohn had actually brought to the company. Peter, is Mr. Gohn's career now over? Can he come back from this? And regardless of that, what's likely to be his legacy? I think it's very difficult to see a way that Carlos Ghosn is able to come back, at least to his position at Nissan. A lot of the language that was used in the press conference was very final. It's very difficult to see him coming back, certainly while Sakawa is in charge of Nissan, and certainly until these allegations that have been made against him are cleared. But I think whatever happens to him in terms of his departure from the businesses, his legacy is going to be undeniable in that he grew the alliance into the titan it is today. He pushed into new technologies and many of the other car companies in the world were following Renault-Nissan in their pursuit of electric cars and some of their vehicle strategies. I think the fact that Renault decided that he needed to step aside certainly does raise questions about whether or not he's able to come back. That will depend largely on what happens with the Tokyo prosecutors, largely on what charges they bring and and how they find Mr. Ghosn. But even if he does depart never to return to the industry, his impact on the whole global industry is going to be felt for many decades to come. That was me, Tom Braithwaite, talking to Kana Inagaki, Peter Campbell and Vanessa Holder. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with another news feature tomorrow. In the meantime, if you're not already a subscriber and would like to discover more FT content, do take a look at our latest subscription offer at ft.com offer. <laughs>